This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. John Massagale sitting in my house, and uh, Jonathan Green joining me from his house. How are you, Mr. Green? Couldn't be better. How are you? It's Sunday night. It's a weekend. We've had some real racing. Life's good. That's right. We've had real racing, NASCAR going on right now, and uh, yeah, we've had some real racing. We also got some real racing coming up in IndyCar. I want to talk about what yes. we got on the, sh- on the show tonight because very excited to have our guest, Charlie Kimball, IndyCar oh. racer. He's going to join us here in about 15 minutes. And, of course, we have another guest, Jonathan. you got Tim Frost to come back and talk to us. That's going to be great, too. Yeah, Tim Frost, an absolute um, legend when it comes to knowing all about the business of motorsport, especially here in the States, but pretty much worldwide. Uh, we've had him on before, but I think we're going to have him on uh, quite often because this next six months uh, are going to be all about the business of this industry and less I would have thought about the results because we're all hanging on to you know what we've got at the moment. You know, you said something to me the other day. You said 2020 is really, we're not going to be thinking about who won the championship years years ahead. We're not going to be thinking back who won the championship, who did this. It's really going to be all about what happened with this virus and everything. And I think you're absolutely right. Well, I mean, first and foremost, and you only have to look outside or look on TV if, you, if you're here in the States. Um, you know, it's tough times out here in America, unprecedented times out here in America, especially um, with what's going on on the streets of uh, some of our major cities. And of course, this corona pandemic, which has put 40 million people out of work. So um, there's no question that these are strange times and sport, frankly, uh, pales into insignificance at that point. But if we are talking sport, uh, the story is definitely going to be who survives, who doesn't and how you innovate. Uh, as Darwin once said, it's not the survival of the fittest, it's survival, survival of the most adaptive. Yeah, isn't that the truth? That's that way in business and everything else. You know, other the other thing going on this weekend, of course, we Americans put uh, some men into space. We should have called, yes. we should have got Drew Feustel on the show, our astronaut buddy who's been on the show. We should, think- well, it's not too late. Drew, if you're tuning in, uh, to, uh, you know, oh, well, why don't we call it, just, just call the space station there, there now? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Do you have the number? Hang on, I'll look at my Rolodex. <laughs> Check your phone, would you? Okay, I will. 
Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk with Charlie Kimball and we're going to talk with Tim Frost, but we, there's a lot to talk about, especially when Tim comes on in the business side, because with Williams F1 announcing what they've announced and the new rules with F1 leveling the playing field a little bit. And then of course the news about, uh, about the British Grand Prix looks like it's going to now move forward because that was in doubt. And also the, the Brazilian Grand Prix with fans, there's just tons to talk about, particularly in formula one. And now with IndyCar starting right here in Texas next weekend, mm. uh, it's going to be, uh, I, I just, going? I really can't wait. No, I'm not going, but uh, I, I don't know how much of the press, I, we didn't even apply as far as I know, no, Jonathan. I, I, I don't think many people are going. Yeah, well, that's true. We, don't, we know not many people are going, but. That's something uh, I want to talk to Tim about, which is how does the model work for promoters? I really don't, you know, what does Eddie Gossage get out of um, an IndyCar race next weekend? If he can't sell burgers and sell tickets on seats, it's an interesting, you know, and the same is yeah. true, of course, of, of, of Coda here. You know, um, they're talking about Formula One going ahead, but with maybe 25 percent crowd. So I don't know. I don't know how that works. OK, let me ask you this. Has fans not and fans not being in the stands bothered you watching a NASCAR race? You know, that boat personally, no, certainly on TV. Uh, and I watched Moto America um, as well today. They raced at uh, Road America, no fans. And certainly I watched, I mean, the most, I mean, I watched today at Bristol. Well done, Keselowski, the poacher. Um, <laughs> but um, no, it doesn't bother me at all. It, it looks a bit stark during the day. But when they went to Darlington and did the night race last Wednesday, didn't bother me at all. And in fact, you don't really notice it. Once you get engrossed into, an, uh, into a race uh, and the way the cameras are shot and they're tight, um, you just don't do a lot. I mean, the overheads right. look kind of weird, but, you know, that, that doesn't change the aspect. And if no one told you, if you tuned in and no one told you there was a pandemic, I don't think you'd, you'd know. Yeah. I, and I think that we've talked about how motorsports has had kind of an advantage during this pandemic with esports, right? That it's yeah. been, it's, that it's a lot more like real racing than real basketball. You it's, you know, or, or football. How do you do those that with any comparison? But I think, I think this is also another advantage too, because I don't think it's as detrimental without the fans in motorsport. Well, and you know, we might have approached esports as being, you know, eh, not that interesting because we're, we're involved in the real sport. And so esports hasn't never, has never really been a huge interest of mine. I've always watched it and I've always been interested and, and certainly I've always been interested in the sim aspect because it's a current big factor for especially young drivers coming up because of the cost of motor racing. So sim racing has been an obvious, but yeah, I mean, in terms of profile, motor racing has actually been quite high level profile main, mainstream sport. When you consider soccer uh, and NBA, um, you know, I, I can't I can't even think about the last bit of soccer news I knew that was relevant. Whereas motor racing has lost two big, big stars in Daniel Apt and Carl, Lyson, uh, Carl Larson for, uh, you know, just during the e-racing series. So there's some real world consequences to, to doing some e-racing. Yeah. And I know you were involved in the Trans Am e-racing this weekend. I want you to talk about that. But also I want to talk about Fernando Alonso was in the Legends uh, uh, racing for, for the race. And those guys uh, are looking at this going, you know, because Alonso didn't join the series till late. And he's now won four in a row races. And each one of those, the two, the last two weekends, has, has included a reverse grid where he's come back and won from the back two times in a row. So, 
you know, that goes back to my theory that e-racing uses a lot of the same skills because we know Fernando Alonso is one of the best behind the wheel of a real car. He's proven that to be the same in esports. But how did it go Trans Am this weekend? Oh, Trans Am was awesome because we went, uh, we did a step back in time. We went to Riverside in Los Angeles. If you remember 30 years ago, Riverside was the home of all the greats like uh, Mark Donahue and Penske, uh, Parnelli Jones. Uh, we even had David Donahue, his son racing, uh, sort of to bridge the gap as it were. So we went back in time with a circuit that doesn't exist anymore, sadly, but it was one of the favorites uh, back in the day. If you think about the triumphant in California, of Sonoma or Sears Point, as it was back then, Laguna Seca uh, and Riverside. Those were the three big circuits. Uh, and because it was so close to L.A., you had the likes of McQueen and Newman racing there. And in fact, it was where Ken Miles, who is, of course, the feature story of the uh, Ford versus Ferrari. That's where, sadly, um, he, um, he crashed and um, lost his life. Uh, that's how the film ended, was was at Riverside. So it uh, had a storied history, um, but it was great to go racing there. All the drivers loved it. Uh, and we had a new winner in Edward Savagin of Dallas, Texas. Ah, nice. Yep. It's an all-Texas race this weekend. We got we got the AJ Foyt boys going to join us here in a minute with uh, Charlie Kimball going to join us here in just a few minutes. But uh, before we go to our first break, Jonathan, I want you to talk about what's going on with the British Grand Prix in Formula One, because some news came down earlier this week about that. Yeah, um, the, the basic idea up until literally, I mean, it changes every day, but, you know, the, the, the basic plan of Liberty was to go to Austria in July uh, and get the season back going again with back to back races in Austria. Uh, and that makes sense because obviously um, Red Bull own the circuit, and it's a, it's a, it's out in the in the in the, in the mountains out in the south of uh, uh, Austria. So it's an easy venue for to get to to stay in one place and to effectively create the circus that is Formula One and keep it uh, sort of homologated or you know <laughs> away from everybody else. It would mean that you would uh, not be going too far, but it also they probably short the event. And then they are the idea is to go back to back with another race called the European Grand Prix, but still in Austria, and then go straight on to Hungary. Uh, and the reason why was they were originally going to come back to the UK, because obviously most of Formula One is based in the in the UK or most of the, the people who uh, run the teams. So the idea was to come back and do two races back to back um, uh, as the British Grand Prix. But unfortunately, then Britain put in uh, starting June 1st, uh, an edict or an order from the government saying that anybody traveling to the UK had to be quarantined for two weeks, whether they, you know, you can quarantine at home, but you, you would have to quarantine for two weeks. So that kind of put the kibosh on that because they couldn't go rushing out to a British Grand Prix after a week away. So what they've decided to do is go from Austria onto Hungary, uh, do a third race of the season in Hungary, come back to the UK, have a two week um, forced uh, isolation effectively at home and then do back-to-back -back British Grand Prix in August and um, that'll get us five in um, and that's a good you know that means by hopefully mid-July uh, sorry by August we'll be you know a third of the way into a potential season Yep, I think that's a great summarization of that. And all we can do is cross our fingers at this point because we don't know what every government's going to say about all this. So we'll just have to wait and see. But we might have lost John. I know what he was going to say, though. 
Oh, well, John's got some issues, but never mind. What he was going to say was, we're looking forward to a big show today here on Speed City because we've got Charlie Kimball coming on in, what, a couple of minutes? And then we've got Tim Frost, um, who is a good friend of mine and has been on the show uh, in the last few weeks. And he'll hopefully be talking to us about uh, what he thinks of the Williams decision. That is, the, I think, the two biggest stories out of, of this week uh, for Formula One is the one we just discussed, which is getting back on the road again. And Williams basically saying that they are up for sale and teams like Williams and uh, Renault and McLaren all laying off people. McLaren potentially selling their uh, cars, all sorts of strange things going on. Anyway, we're going to get, see if we can get John Massengale back on. Charlie Kimball is on the line. So after this break, we will have the brightest man in racing in America, I think. Charlie Kimball, join us after this break. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town, in your favorite store, or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company. Born, bred, and brewed in Texas. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We are very excited because we're going to jump right into our next guest. Going to be racing next weekend here in Texas for IndyCar. We want to welcome Charlie Kimball to the show. Charlie, welcome to Speed City. Good evening. Thanks for having me. Oh, great to have you. Yeah, very, very excited to have you, Charlie. What's been going on? What have you been doing in your downtime? Well, I've been uh, keeping plenty busy. My wife and I welcomed our second child 
uh, into our family like the Wednesday before we were supposed to be racing in St. Pete. So this this <laughs> shutdown period has turned into a bit of an unexpected paternity leave for me as as a father, um, which has been nice. It's been really nice to spend the time That's at home right. with our new son, with our toddler, uh, who is as busy and fun and exciting and learning at the moment. Uh, so that's been a blast. I've also been training really hard, you know, impromptu set up a gym in the garage. Um, I'm not sure my wife appreciated losing her parking space, but I've been able to work out really hard and still do some interviews and some appearances virtually. Um, I've done a couple of things for, for Novo Nordisk that's going to be on the car this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, for them, all through digital content and virtual hosting, um, like so much of the world is at the moment. Hey, Charlie, well, uh, we got to talk about your new team in racing. You've been in IndyCar. This is what your 10th season. And now you're going to be racing for a Texan for AJ Foyt. Uh, that's got to be exciting. It's unbelievable. Um, signing a contract with AJ Foyt's name on it is unbelievable. It's the first four time winner of the Indy 500. He holds the records for laps raced at the Indy 500. He won two 500s with front engine, two with rear engine. It's, I mean, the, the history and heritage of A.J. Foyt as a driver, but also as a team, having won another Indy 500 and, and really wanting to get back and get competitive. Um, I could not have been more nervous calling A.J. Foyt to wish him a happy birthday earlier this year in, in February, uh, January, February time. And all he wanted to talk about was racing, about getting back in the car and what the season was going to look like and how we were going to get competitive. And I think that really, it struck me that, AJ may be a four-time winner and he may be have this persona as a bit cantankerous, but at the same time, you know, he's still just a racer and he still wants to win. And, and being a part of that team environment that wants to win like that is so special for me. Charlie, you just, you, you took the words. I was trying to think of a, a polite word, but we all hear the stories. And when I've been in Indianapolis, even going for a haircut, I'm like, oh, I'm going to interview AJ Foyt. They're like, ooh. You know, <laughs> is he as cantankerous as everybody says? Or is it all a bit of a myth? Not a myth, but is it is it built up? And, and really, he's a good boy. Uh, I think I'll have to tell you on Sunday, depending on how Saturday <laughs> night goes. Because uh, really, I mean, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to his race team, and it comes down to the race results at AJ Foyt Racing. And that's what we're all there for. Uh, if it if it's not a good day at the office, he's not going to be happy. Just like I'm not going to be happy. So I think uh, I think that's a large part of it. I haven't seen that as much. Uh, Larry, that runs the team, Larry Foyt, has has been great to work with on the commercial side, on the race side. Um, Scott Harner, the team manager of the Speedway Shop here in Indianapolis, is someone I worked with for years at Chip Ganassi Racing. So to be able to re reconnect with him, um, my engineer Mike. A lot of the guys in the shop, I mean, everyone's hungry and, and it's just a great environment to kind of hit the reset button and start 2020 fresh. It, a little later than we'd expected, about three months later than we'd planned to hit the reset button. But we're hitting that this weekend, headed to Texas Motor Speedway. I was so looking, I didn't get to race it at Circuit of the Americas there in Austin last year. So I was looking forward to our first Texas visit being in Austin at COTA, but the fact that we still get to come down to the Lone Star State and go racing under the lights Saturday night, uh, live on NBC and primetime is going to be a blast as well. 
Yeah, isn't that awesome to be on Saturday night, prime time on the big network? But, well, Charlie, what have you guys been doing about communicating with each other during the pandemic? And, you know, all the normal race prep things that you would do heading into the weekend. What have you, how do you do all that? We've been doing a lot digitally. Um, you know, everything on a race car these days seems to be run on a computer first. Uh, so we've been doing a lot of setup work back and forth by phone, by by Zoom calls, by Skype calls, by Microsoft Team calls, Google Hangouts. I mean, everybody's running different systems and software they're comfortable with and sharing screens and writing notes and trying to figure out what the, the one-day show looks like um, the, to minimize exposure and risks. We're doing a one-day show. Um, I know personally I'm flying down Saturday morning, doing the whole day, practice, qualify, 200-lap race, and then getting on a plane and coming home Saturday night into Sunday morning. So it's uh, it's different than anything I've ever done in an indie car. So it'll be that's a new challenge. But getting ready for the weekend, I mean, last year my team was in Florida. I lived in Indianapolis. My engineer lived in England. So we did everything virtually over phones and emails. Well, Charlie, I know you got down here to Austin for the test in February, and you got behind the wheel of that number four for the first time. How was that? It's incredible. Um, the aero screen changes the look of the car. Coda is an incredible racetrack. Like I said, I didn't race there last year, so I was learning the track while it was wet to dry in this high-pressure-packed open test session, first time on track with the aero screen, first time with engineers, first time with a new car, first time with those mechanics. Uh, so it was busy, definitely busy, especially waiting around a whole day when it was too wet and cold to run uh, until the second afternoon. So it was it was frustrating, um, but we were able to get some really good work in. We were able to to work on some setup things and and under, start to understand each other's dialogue and communication. Um, as the son of an, an engineer, I joke that I've spoken engineer my whole life, and now that makes it a little easier to jump back and forth working with different race engineers at different teams. Charlie, what about the fact, I mean, I've just been watching uh, Bristol and I've been, I've been watching the, the return of NASCAR. Uh, and, and I don't know, I, I, I suppose some people think that, um, you know, uh, just how safe is it to go back right now? And I know you just mentioned the one day. I mean, I love your approach just to go in there the same day. But what about the track itself? I mean, Texas has been intimidating just when you're doing a three-day event there. How hard is it going to be with no rubber, all in one day and really not a lot of time to get dialed in for what is a tricky track. It's, I, I don't envy uh, those going there as rookies or ones that have never raced there. Guys like Jack Harvey, Pato Award. Um, first time seeing the facility will be Saturday morning before we qual practice qualify race all in the span of about 12 hours. Uh, that's not an easy task and they've got a pretty big hill to climb. But from our side, one of the nice things is on a traditional weekend, we will practice and qualify, do a quick night practice, and then the truck race runs Friday night. So we'll go back out for the race 24 hours later after our last practice, and the track will be totally different. At least this time, we're the only car on track, so we will be rubbering in our line every lap. It, so it will change, and it will change quickly. And I think it'll benefit those guys who go a little later in qualifying order because there'll be so much more rubber down. Uh, but at the same time, as long as one, I actually have a meeting tomorrow about trying to think through everything that could happen in practice so that we're not surprised by anything. So we're thinking about who's taking care of that piece of data, who's looking at that number, 
Who's asking that question? Who's watching the clock for how much time's in the session? Who's watching that number? I mean, there's so many different things going on in such a short session. We just don't want to be surprised. We want to be prepared as much as possible. And, and like you talked about, a vast majority, all the IndyCar support staff, a vast majority of teams and mechanics and engineers are all going down Saturday morning, coming back Saturday night, Sunday morning. Hey, Charlie, I got to ask you this. I was thinking about, you know, we've got a whole new season here. Everything's changed. You go in, like we're just saying, without a lot of prep. I mean, does this kind of level the playing field a little bit in IndyCar, do you think, at all? I think it. the challenge with IndyCar racing is that it's so competitive. It's so tight. It's so hard all the time. I think when you condense a schedule, it limits the opportunity for some of the smaller teams or the teams with less experience or less experienced drivers to catch up, to figure things out. Um, Texas, I was talking with my engineer, we're going to roll off the truck and we're going to polish it. We're not making wholesale test changes in practice because there's not enough time. There's not enough tires. There's not enough anything. So all we will be doing is trying to make sure we've got a good starting point we unload well and then make it a little bit better each and every run so that we're confident in what we have going into qualifying in the race. Um, we don't want to make any big changes because I, I want to know what I've got when the green flag flies for the race and I can trust it heading into turn one the first time. So we actually might see some drivers um, being a little bit more cautious than usual because you don't want to go in the wrong direction at the beginning of the day and then find yourself chasing it. So I, I guess what you'll, tr you know, you'll do it incrementally and it may not be the perfect car when you start the race. I noticed that in NASCAR that the first pit stop was probably the most important because they were then talking to each other going, yep, I need X, Y, and Z because we haven't dialed this and this out. Um, do you think that's going to be the case with your first pit stop? A hundred percent is going to be that way. And all night long, every pit stop we do, I think it's at the moment slated for right around five pit stops. And every single stop we make, it is going to be important to keep making the car better, especially because the further we go into the night, the more the track temple drop, the air temple drop, the, the track will rubber up. We talked about how much it'll change in practice and qualifying in the race with 24 of us, something like that, running every lap. That's a lot of rubber going down at full speed all the time. Plus, the, the weather conditions are changing. So I think the first stop will be important to, to make sure we get it closer. But I think each stop to make the car better and better and keep following it as the car and the track evolve over the night is going to really matter. Hey, Charlie, I want to ask you about this pandemic and you know, you get, you've got, you're very public about your diabetes and with your sponsors and everything. And it's really, it's an incredible story that, that you can race with diabetes. And, but I want to ask you about the, the pandemic and the COVID-19. I mean, are you at a little higher risk because of your, your health issues? And, and have you, is that a concern for you going into, you know, back into the public a little bit here? Um, I am, you know, people with diabetes are, are put in a higher risk category, but my wife and I have been very careful, um, mainly because we have two young kids at home and, and a newborn, um, you know, one of those being a newborn and, and she's nursing and we've been really careful and really smart with our approach because 
my biggest thing was making sure that I was training and I was taking care of my family. And so being able to, to be really careful these last three months has, as I think, led me to be a little more comfortable with my routine as far as wearing a mask and being conscientious about washing my hands and hand sanitizer, things like that. Um, so we understand the risk, but wild horses couldn't keep me from being out of the race car Saturday night. Um, it's <laughs> even, I think my wife is excited about me leaving the house and getting in a race car because <laughs> my mood is, has, has improved tremendously over the last, uh, couple of weeks. So yeah, go race, honey. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable attitude adjustment when I knew the race was showing up. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, we couldn't be more excited about this, getting some more real racing, getting IndyCar, getting some open wheel racing and having it on NBC. I, I'm, I'm just so excited for this. I think that this is going to be the whole race committee is going to get excited. I know we've had NASCAR, but now we're getting IndyCar and it's I just can't wait. I think everybody's excited. Charlie, yeah, what amazing. number are you running? Go ahead. I'll I'll be in the number four car, the number four Chevy Nova Nordisk for AJ Foyt Racing, uh, the number four car all year long for, for AJ Foyt powered by Chevrolet. Um, but I think it's great that we will be one of the first few live sports back on TV after that shutdown in, in the middle of March. And, and to be able to do it on primetime, do it with IndyCar, do it at Texas where, frankly, it's a little nutty, but we put on one heck of a great motor race. And IndyCar's under the lights, mile and a half oval at 210 miles an hour. Sign me up. I mean, I have signed up. I think everyone should be tuning in. Well, I'm going to be tuning in because I put you at the top of my my favorite app now for Indy is the number four car because of three things. You're racing for AJ and you're therefore a Texan in my mind. You were born in England as I was and you were born on February 20th. I know you're a good man. That's the same birthday as me. I, I, and Roger Penske as well. So it's uh, the new owner of the series at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You can't go wrong with that birthday. No, man. We're, we're looking good. So go with number four. <laughs> well, well, Charlie. I appreciate it. You guys. Thank you. On. Like I said, everyone should tune in. NBC, Saturday night, primetime. Texas Under the Lights is. I mean, IndyCars, it, it's fighter jets in a gym, and then you put us under the lights, and we really shine. Charlie Kimball, thanks a lot. We appreciate you coming on Speed City. We'll talk to you soon, and good luck next weekend. Yeah, best of luck next weekend, man. Stay healthy, guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks, man. All right. All right, let's go to break, and when we come back, we're going to have a lot of business discussion about motorsports, Formula One, and more with Tim Frost. You're listening to Speed City live from Austin, back after these messages. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. 
When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Austin's Talk, 1370. Hi, Brendan Hartley. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We're waiting on our guest, Tim Frost, to call in. But Jonathan, you know, we didn't get to talk to Charlie Kimball too much about the windscreen. He mentioned it. Oh, yeah. that's, I, I'm really excited to, to see this in action. And we got to see it here at Coda. I got to see it live in person here at Coda when they came testing. But I'm looking forward to seeing that thing during the race. You know, I... I, you're always a little worried. Is it going to look okay? You remember how much hullabaloo there was about the Formula One halo, but I'm looking forward to seeing. I think it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I to be honest, style-wise, I think it's a winner. Um, yeah. I really do. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm interested uh, uh, to hear as as uh, David Hobbs would call it the clag, because uh, there's going to be a lot of marbles in Texas because of the amount of running they've got on uh, effectively a green circuit. So you're going to pick up a lot of rubber, and if you're going offline at all, which will happen because it's tight, um, those you're going to you're going to get a lot of um, dirty rubber and air and dust and nastiness on those visors. So it'll be see it'll be interesting to see how they clean. But with five stops, you should be able to keep it clean. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. One of that's going to be one of the things we can really watch for. But all right, well, we are joined by our next guest. We want to welcome back to the show Tim Frost. Tim, welcome back to Speed City. Yes. Hi. Good evening, uh, gentlemen. Uh, nice to talk to your audience again tonight and uh, revisit racing uh, as we've uh, moved a little further into the calendar. And it looks like uh, we got quite a few series that are up and running, and especially the big boys. I can feel the intellectual content rising when Tim jumps on the line. It's very exciting. And Tim, we got a lot to talk to you about tonight. And I think. I think I want to start with Williams F1. And Jonathan, did you have something else you rather? I saw no, you raising no, your you, hand. Well, I was wanting to. I wanted to go first, but you go first. Well, I just want to ask Tim about the Williams F1 situation because, with his knowledge of motorsports business, I mean, this is one of the biggest stories 
uh, you know, really across the globe because, you know, an iconic team like Williams and now here they are losing money and we don't know what's going to happen. Tim, what's your take on this story? Well, um, yes, I, I think really what has added to the story is the legendary performance and name associated with uh, with Williams. Um, obviously, they've been on the grid for you know numbers for decades and have you know numerous titles and famous drivers that have held that seat through the years. Um, but as we know, for them being you know one of the smaller independent. Uh, non-manufacturer-backed teams on the F1 grid, um, that poses a challenge when everybody else, uh, you know, has large checkbooks or the ability to pull in additional capital for that. So even though we've seen the cost containment and many other measures coming through from Liberty Media, which are supposed to help some of those smaller teams, again, as we all know, they've just recently agreed to a $145 million cap. Uh, in spending or budget for next year. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't fall under that purvey, obviously, engine development and a few other things like that. So um, as we know, they'll they'll make the numbers work, but there'll be a lot more uh, spending that'll go on. And Williams has just has struggled to be able to compete um, with the higher back budgeted teams from the resource uh, research and development perspective. At the same time, they just haven't been able to go and land those uh, those sponsors that uh, are paying the huge dollars that help you know really fund um, that back their budgets for that. I mean, typically we're looking at Formula One probably has about fifty percent of their uh, budget, forty to fifty percent of their budgets are coming in uh, under sponsorship. Um, the largest percentage, actually, for most of the teams is coming uh, under prize money for that. Whereas if you turn and look at that equation on the NASCAR side, you're looking at teams in NASCAR probably having to rely on about 70 to 75 percent of their budgets um, that are coming from sponsorship. Obviously, you know, uh, Formula One budgets are running, you know, 125 to 200 million, whereas NASCAR team budgets probably running in the 15 to 25 million. So much higher. So Williams, uh, yes, they have gone through and uh, have just recently, you know, the word they're using is evaluating strategic uh, options, alternatives that are in there. They've hired um, uh, a couple of investment banks. Uh, primarily, they've hired Allen and Company based out of New York. Allen and Company is probably one of the renowned um, investment merchant banks in the world with uh, a very big heritage and pedigree in professional sports. They've handled sales of major league teams. They were involved in uh, assisting on, on the, uh, uh, the uh, IMS Penske deal um, for that. They were hired by the Holman George family to do this. They've done you know European soccer clubs, Premier League clubs. So they have the wide breadth and they really have uh, a book of potential buyers that are out there. Now, again, what's unique about Williams is Williams actually is a publicly traded company uh, trading on, you know, one of the European exchanges in London. They're currently trading at about twelve and a half dollars a share. They have a market cap of about one hundred twenty five million, ten million uh, shares outstanding. So technically, you know, when you see something like this, um, what they're going to have to do is with them being and again, they're they're traded under 
the the Williams Grand Prix Holdings uh, is what their their stock exchange is uh, listed in that. So typically, what you would see on something like that says, "Hey, we're going to come in and um, we're going to come in and uh, we want somebody to potentially buy us." When a when a company comes in and potentially buys a publicly listed company, they will usually pay uh, a price premium to it. So therefore, you'd see the uh, the stock price jump after an announcement of uh, a deal has happened, especially when it's under the private side. But when a company announces the sale process, the premium that you know a potential buyer would come in for it, uh, it will not be as much as if somebody was going to take them over. Typically, you'll see anywhere from a 20 to 40 percent price premium, which means then somebody would go through and buy them out at 16 to 18 dollars a share, which would then work out to 150 million dollars plus in that. Um, what we're probably going to see and, you know, the route that has really happened is, you know, individuals or sovereign wealth funds have taken large positions in the Formula One teams. Uh, specifically, we've seen um, uh, uh, Lawrence Stroll come in and make some major investments in several of the teams there. He's also, you know, uh, funded money for Aston Martin, which then is going to go through and work on on his team. There's another Canadian that has taken in another position team with um, has done a separate equity investment with uh, McLaren Racing and McLaren Automotive for, you know, another hundred and fifty million dollars. Um, and then you've got the. Uh, Middle Eastern companies that are out there to go through do um, where we've also seen, you know, Racing Point, which uh, prior to that was bought by um, uh, the Indian uh, businessman who ran into he paid 90 million for uh, that team there. But he ran into financial difficulties with his airlines and basically had to you know, sell that at a huge discount in that. So I think there's going to be a buyer that's going to come in. There are people that look at these as being investments that are what might be considered vanity investments. You're not going to go through when people purchase sports related properties, you're not necessarily looking for them for the economic return that you're going to get. Like if you're going to buy a stock or a business or a profitability, you're looking at more in the underlying asset value, which will then go through an increase just because that you have one of the limited number of teams on the formula one grid, um, for that, you know, we saw Gene Haas come in, but Gene Haas had to go in and basically, you know, start from scratch uh, to go through and do. So, um, you know, Formula One has always been where you have enter, you have people enter, uh, you have manufacturers and teams entering and leaving for that. So, um, whereas we know that Renault has come in, but we've seen Honda come in and leave, and we've seen other ones that have sustained. So, uh, I don't think they'll, they'll, there will be a problem with. Uh, a number of buyers that would come in to go in and buy this, whether that person is going to be already involved in this sport or that person's going to be somebody from outside. It's basically got to come in that's, you know, willing to go and pay, you know, 150 million for the team and for their, their, their holdings for their offices um, and their technology along with, uh, you know, they're, uh, you're, what you're seeing on a couple of the other teams is teams are actually going and uh, getting bank loans and collateral, and they're pledging their historic uh, race cars there on there. But, you know, the investment of 150 to buy out the existing shareholders of Williams, which would obviously include Claire in there, but they're going to need an additional, same additional amount of anywhere between probably 100 to 200 million that they're willing to fund 
for just the operation side of things to get the business up and cash flow and make the investments in personnel, hire the right drivers and do that. And then you're going to need, you know, an additional probably, you know, one to two years worth of additional resources that that person's going to have to go through and do just due to the fact that they're not going to be bringing in sponsors that are paying the huge amounts of money for that. So will a sale happen? Yes, absolutely. There's enough buyers that are out there, whether they, they'll probably want to keep the name that's in there um, for it because it's heritage. And then, you know, depending if they want to, are they going to want to keep the current management in place? You know, when you're spending that amount of money, um, you'll, you, you know, might even go and bring talent in from one of the existing manufacturers. So that's what it is. It is a surprise, but that's just what happens. It takes a big checkbook to go through and do. And, you know, the historic entrepreneurs that grew up through the sport and with the heritage, um, they just no longer have the ability to compete at the, you know, at the amounts of capital that are required to, uh, uh, to race an F1 uh, in today's environment. Uh, we got time for another question before the break? John? Yes, we do. Yes. Yeah, Tim, you know, fascinating answer, and, and thank you, because that, that is a really interesting sum up of exactly where Williams are. And I remember when I started in Formula One in 92, they were kings. They were like Mercedes are now. Um, and if you go to their museum, um, I mean, their history is, is second to none. I mean, uh, the, the Mansell days... Uh, the Prost days, the Senna days even. Um, I mean, you know, the, these were amazing times. Uh, Damon Hill, of course, Alan Prost, all great drivers for the team. And before that, uh, so many others. But um, the one thing I couldn't understand and was a bigger surprise to me was not that they were selling because they've been struggling for the last few years. Uh, you know, Maldonado brought money and it was needed because it was oil money and so on and so forth. So they've always been going from 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 year to year. But what I can't understand is why you would you as Williams would get rid of your title sponsor, who you had a deal with until 2023, when title sponsors are so hard to find in the first place. It looked like a good sponsor. Uh, it's a sponsor that's also involved in e-gaming and talk motorsports, who I've been working with uh, just yesterday. So Rocket, why why would you choose this time to get rid of Rocket? Well, um, there there could be two things with this. Uh, you know, again, the sponsorship agreement, um, we never know really what happens with those uh, sponsorship agreements. I mean, obviously, there, if there's a contract in place, um, there could be the, 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 the fact that the sponsor uh, may not be able to fulfill that commitment for the couple of years in there. It may be signed, but they may have also gone and said, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You know, we're going to be good for this year, but we may not be able to fulfill the full side of the contract in there. So that's one. Uh, two, if you want to be able to have a clean slate for a potential buyer to come in and you're preparing, you know, something for sale, you want it to be as clean and as pristine and as um, as open as possible. No yeah. 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 So therefore, you might then be able to go to your sponsor and say, hey, you know what? We want to start this process up. We'd like to be able to you know, offer the livery with a clean slate with no sponsors on it and all deal and say, oh, by the way, Rocket, here's what we're going to do. We will, we will buy you out of your contract and we're going to um, offer you this amount of price. And Rocket say, well, you know what? Maybe that's not all bad. We're going to, you know, we can still be involved in the sport. But maybe we'll take this cash and we'll go invest it someplace else. Doesn't mean we have to be part of the deal. Um, because, again, somebody can come in and say, you know what, um, 
or it could be that they've already had some preliminary talks with some potential buyers, and the potential buyer says, "Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring this, I'm going to bring this sponsor in. I'm going to bring this manufacturer in, but I'm going to do it, and we're going to relabel it, and we're going to rebrand it, um, and do the whole deal. And here's one way to go through and do with it. So the potential purchase price would then, you know, it's basically a cost of doing business." meaning you're going to buy out the existing sponsors and the new person's going to come in. So, yeah, it could be both ways, depending on how you want to look at it. And, of course, you know, all of us, we don't necessarily know what is being discussed all the time in the boardroom and uh, through some of those high-level uh, discussions. Hey, Tim, we got to go to a break, but just a real quick question for you, and then we'll go to break because I want to have some other questions for you. But what would you guess that that rocket sponsorship, that title sponsorship for Williams was? Any idea? How many dollars? You know, um, I would say, you know, when you're looking at them and we're on the back of the grid and the whole deal, I, I don't think you're really seeing uh, any of those deals being, you know, maybe in a cash basis and everything like that, maybe 20 to 30 million in total cash for something like that on an annual basis. And, um, you know, not much more than that. I mean, really, you know, the true cash deals that really that are at the top of the grid are really what Shell would be paying or what Marlboro used to be yeah. paying or Philip Morris used to be paying at uh, uh, at, um, you know, at Ferrari. And those guys were still paying, you know, 50 to 75 million in total cash. I think, you know, it's kind of a mixed thing right now with all the partners that are out there for the team's. And, you know, we're not seeing these huge, huge deals. So I would say probably in that range, maybe 20 to 30 on the high side. And part of that being the fact that Williams is just, you know, we're not a, you know, they're not a 250 to $300 million budget team, you know, 110, $115 million for, uh, for the racing operations. Well, Tim, I appreciate you letting me know that. And if you want to call them up, I mean, if they want to stay in motorsports, Speed City's got an opening for a title sponsor. Tell them we'll do it for half that. <laughs> And yeah. uh, we'll 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 cut you in on the deal. But we'll all right, guys, let's in for that. <laughs> we'll throw a lesson. Uh, all right, well, we got to take a break. Uh, Tim, can you stick with us through the break? Absolutely. All right, you're listening to Speed City live from Austin. Back after these messages. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Austin's Talk 1370. This is Alexis DeJoria, driver of the Tequila Patron Toyota Camry Nitro Funny Car. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, well, we have Tim Frost on the line. And, Jonathan, you got a really good question in these pandemic times to ask Tim. Yeah, uh, Tim, I, I just wanted to, again, taste, t- take the temperature of the sport here in the United States. Um, obviously, we as race fans are excited to see NASCAR. We just had Charlie Kimball on. He's excited. His wife's throwing him out of the house because she's fed up of having him around because he needs to go racing. And, of course, Indy will therefore start next Saturday. Um, my concern is, you know, we've got a raging pandemic with uh, 18 states still going up. I'm delighted we're going racing again, and I get that we've got to get the economy going. But my question is, is June too soon? Should we be under green or should we still be under yellow and being a little bit more under caution? You know, I think um, we're, we're, taking, we're taking the uh, green flag uh, right now, but it's also got a little bit of yellow in it um, for it. <laughs> and um, I think what we're doing is the sport has um, – taken a very measured, methodical approach about how they are entering, um, you know, week by week that's in there from that. So um, I think that is uh, much to our key, and that is is paying huge dividends um, for us as a sport because uh, NASCAR, obviously, they just finished up in Bristol, uh, you know, today. For this, they've had quite a run of, you know, um, you know, running between Darlington, uh, Charlotte, and also, uh, you know, in Bristol uh, today. And then we kind of get back to the week thing for it. So, you know, they've got five, you know, about three and a half weeks and five races under their belt. And every and then we've got IndyCar next weekend at Texas, which, again, as Charlie said, is, you know, iconic racing. It's you know, you're on the edge of your seat. It's under the lights and you're just, you're, we're all holding our breath just watching those guys go wheel to wheel. And, you know, it's best racing that's out there. Um, we know that Eddie Gossage has, you know, really been, you know, he's iconic in the sport. Um, you know, you've got the back of your governor there says, hey, we're going to go through and back up racing. So those are on the highest levels that are on there. The other part is if we actually look at the grassroots that's out there and we're seeing, you know, tracks that weren't and we're not able to because they were having to go and follow um, their state and local health guidelines that were out there saying what they could do and what they couldn't. We had in the very early part of May and late April, you had a couple of rogue operators out there say, hey, we're going to go through and run this thing. And then they kind of got waved off on the, you know, uh, on the speed attempt there by local officials last minute. So, but by the time we do it and, you know, you've got Premier League that'll be 
starting up on June 17th. And, you know, racing will already have, depending on NASCAR being the lead, they're already going to have six weeks of racing that are out there. And there's been no competition for the eyeballs from that, which is fantastic. And by the time any other, obviously we had some great golf tournaments around there, kind of invitationals and for charity purposes. But by the time the big leagues and you get baseball, I mean, and baseball, we don't even know if they're going to play and we'll just leave that for, you know, the economic structure of baseball. But, you know, if you get the NHL and NBA and where they're up and running, we're looking July 15th before any other professional sports that will be in there. And I would say by then, you know, even IndyCar is going to, you know, start up again after obviously they do, you know, Texas here. I think racing will have um, uh, will have made this uh, a very smart move to get in front of the line do it and get that out there. And that's going to pay huge dividends and everybody else um, goes and will will finally hit it, but they'll have slow steps that are in there. And I think the reason that works is, you know, it really gets you out there is people that work in racing, they love what they do. These drivers, just as Charlie says, says I can't wait to get on the track. because My spouse is not going to let me be in here. And the ability to make uh, a decision may not be uniformly agreed to, but, you know, to get the majority to say, here's what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And this is what we're going to do. They all came to it and says, let's make it happen. And that is unheard of compared to other professional sports. And that is going to pay huge dividends for us to uh, be able to get out there and get racing going. Okay. You know what? I think that we've kind of moved beyond, are we going to open obviously? And, and what's it going to be like? Because, like I got some new headphones. I went out this weekend. Went out yesterday. Went to a big retail store, or guitar center, and they had the the system down so careful. They had, the uh, you know, the people outside lining up. They had employees guiding you through the door. Nobody's making a lot of money right now. In fact, I would be surprised if they were making money. But I think racing has got this going to get this figured out if they haven't already, because NASCAR's kind of laid the path for them. I've heard that one of the reasons that the the uh, the British Prime Minister decided to allow Formula One to continue is because they heard a really well laid out plan. So hopefully we'll get all that stuff figured out, and we can actually go racing and and somehow safely and without the fans, of course. But Tim, I have another question for you. Let's see how much time we got. Enough time? Uh, we got about two minutes, Tim. So this is a big question, but and I know two minutes is probably enough. But really, boil it down for me. Did the new rules that F1 talked about, could they actually level the playing field like we all want and we don't see such dominance by Mercedes and Ferrari? Can we get some other teams competing for podiums? Uh, I think you can, but it's still going to be the resources that are on there. And it's that other set of books or the costs and the expenses that are incurred and the resources developed that are um, – that are, uh, you know, not really under the 145 cap, um, 145 number in there. It's kind of like going to, um, to baseball, you know, they, they, they put in a luxury tax in there and there, there are still teams, no matter what that are at a competitive disadvantage to that. So even then, if you shut off the spigots, what they've got in the developmental pipeline for, you know, uh, wind tunnel development, uh, CFD, um, you know, all of this composite development and engine manufacture, even if they turn that off, that stuff's still going to go for a while. So I don't yeah, necessarily Tim, I know see a huge amount of uh, change yeah. 
in the grid there. Um, you know, but as you said, you know, everything in life and as the teams, as you said, it ebbs and flows for it. Yeah. So, well, Tim, um, hey, we, you know, we're out of time, Tim. We got to We got to shut her down. We appreciate it. Uh, I think you're right, and I I hope that maybe over time that changes. But Tim Frost, thank you so much for coming on again. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, gentlemen. Have a good one, and let's get racing. Yeah, All right. let's go racing. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in tonight, for tuning in on social media as well to see us. Thanks to Charlie Kimball for coming on. We appreciate it. Best of luck, Charlie. And we'll talk to you guys next Sunday night. Happy trials. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.